you're uh you're opening a bottle there. I don't know. Is it is it Ardbeg? Oh, it's an Ardbeg. No, nah, that's it's what I thought bag. it was. Okay. So I went to a local restaurant um called I don't know if we're starting. I went to a local restaurant called Clarity. Well. <laughs> uh, it it's like probably the best restaurant in our area. Um, I love it. Fine dining, like the whole nine yards. They do a great job. They're probably six months away from being a Michelin star restaurant. Anyway, um, they got me into a variety of art bags that I haven't tried before. And this was one of them. It was like 38 bucks or something for the shot. I'm going to try to see if I can get to the camera, but art bag, Corey Vrecken. Interesting. Immediately after we were done, I, um, uh, I went over to the local alcohol beverage control and bought a bottle. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but I'm going to drink it again as if, you know, I've never had this before. Just for fun. <clears throat> First time here, guys. Is it pretty standard for Isla? Yes. Mm. Oh, the peat is just like mm, right there <laughs> in your nose. Hits you in the face. Says an insult about your mama. It's, it's so good. <laughs> right. It's got like this sweet undertone to it too. I think they put these, I think they uh, finished these like in a sherry, um, sherry cask at the end of it, but oh, it's so good. It's not as smoky as your traditional um, like Coila, uh, but uh, it still has a ton of smoke. I, I would I would put it on lines with just about any Talisker you would get really really good um i definitely recommend it if you like scotches you like peatiness this is a good one to try low price point for what it is well so so how low is the price point 85 oh so it's not that much more than the entry level art bag right exactly. that's pretty cool uh have you had the entry level art bag in a while i assume you're talking about the art bag 10 yeah right yeah yeah i've had it yeah it's good it's it's not my it's not one of my go-tos but it's good if somebody has it i, I will definitely get it okay well how's it compared to that one Oh, this, no, not even close. This, this yeah. is fantastic. Hmm. Um, probably, I, I, I would put this up there as probably one of my favorite eyelids, actually. This, this, is, this is really good. They do a good job controlling the smoke. So while it's in your face kind of smoke, it's not so overbearing that you don't get to enjoy the rest of the flavors. So that's, hmm. it's really nice. I like it a lot. You know, would you recommend it to uh, people who are new to scotch? No, I don't recommend ILAs to people who haven't had scotch before. Yeah, it's a tough really. one. Yeah, it's because it's 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 like it's drinking a campfire. And if you're not ready for that, you're going to hate scotch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so first I need to eat some other campfires. Well, there are only a, a couple of other alcohols and, and their unique forms that are close to being as smoky as an Isla scotch. I think um I think there is a bourbon that uses liquid smoke in it. Um it's oh, called campfire bourbon. That's what it's called, actually. I've and, heard of this. Okay. And I think some some mezcals also come quite as smoky as like the least smoky of an Isla Scotch. So, yeah, definitely not for beginners. Matt, what you got, man? <laughs> so I got me a eight ball stout. Uh, this is my oh. first time ever having it. Oh, have you had it? Dude. I've heard of eight ball. I love it. Eight ball oh, for eight AM drinking again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love stout beers. It's so. not just eight AM drinking; it's eight AM on Sunday drinking. And, you <laughs> know, that's so eight AM eight ball. <laughs> so, so far, right now, I take it you like stouts, Matt. Yes, I love stouts. 
I just think he lives right next to a place that sells a lot of beer. And he's like, oh, yeah, we've got the podcast tonight. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I only place that's actually close by that I can sell is actually um, 7-Eleven. <laughs> but uh uh-huh. but there, uh, there, I've been going to a website. I, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. I think it's called Thirsty. Um, and they just have, they actually sell a big variety of beers for a Singapore uh, company. So I've been just going there. I've just been buying a big stock of beers for oh, the pretty cool. for these so episodes. It's a Singapore company that strictly sells to Singapore, or is it a Singapore company that sells internationally? It's only in Singapore. Okay. Yes, but it's I I love the website actually. Yeah, it's called Thirsty. Is it thirsty.com? Yeah, thirsty.com.sg. Okay. I'm impressed oh, okay. they got the website. Nice. Yeah, it was dot sg. Oh. Yeah. 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 So what's the actually? Like, Oh, yes, I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> Tastes like beer. Right. Well, it it's actually pretty light. It's lighter than I thought it would taste like. Because I feel like stouts are usually darker in taste. I don't mm-hmm. know that, is that the right way to say it? Yeah, yeah. stouts are usually a little bit heavy-bodied, right? Kind of creamy. Heavy-bodied. Yeah. yeah. It's not very creamy, actually. Interesting. Yeah, it just tastes actually tastes more of a light beer, to be honest. Huh. You ever had um yeah, you know, w- what is that that cheap brand uh that everybody drinks, but it's still pretty good? Um PBR. No, it's Dosa Keys. Yingling. Yingling has a oh, dark Yingling. lager. You ever had a Yingling dark lager? Yes. I think so. I I think I liked it. I used to drink it a lot at your house, right? Do, do you think it's pretty similar to that eight ball stout profile? Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I yeah. would say it's pretty similar. Okay. Yo, last week, yeah. Matt was looking up on his computer for a taste profile. This week, <laughs> I'm giving it to him. <laughs> I was about to say, how do you know he's not doing that right now? So I, oh, I forgot. I was like, crap. <laughs> so, so, you know, I know I know stouts can kind of come in from uh, a little bitter because I think Guinnesses are a little bitter. I love Guinness. And then mm-hmm. to kind of really sweet. Now, where does that one land? It's not very sweet. Okay. Um. To me, it, it kind of, I mean, I haven't had, what, what, was, what was the name of the beer you just called? Guinness? Uh, Yingling. Oh, Yingling, G- sorry. Guinness. Guinness. Yeah, you oh, no, no. Guinness, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a lot lighter than a Guinness. It's a lot lighter than a Guinness, but it, it tastes a bit similar. Oh, uh, I forgot what it's called. Those blue beer bottles. From Bud Light. Bud Light. Bud Light, yes. <laughs> yeah, the hard one. Premium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bud Light was a premium. Platinum. I forgot. Platinum. 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 Yeah, it tastes a bit like the blue uh the platinums a bit. Did you just say like that the stout platinums. tastes like the a stout? Bud Light? That is platinum? the worst stout just, I've ever heard of in my just, life. Yes. Did you say yes. that stout tastes like a Bud Light platinum? Yes. Goodness. To me, it does. <laughs> I'm never, that's why I'm surprised by the taste. It doesn't really taste like a stout to me. We're never getting an alcohol sponsor, man. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, but but if you guys if you guys distill scotch, you can send them to me and I'll, I'll do the review for you. <laughs> You're just talking to people in Scotland, and uh, they're never going to listen to us. But actually, I'm sure they will one day because we, you know, Matt's got some killer reviews, man. I might even make a sub channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Here, what let do, me tell what you. What do you have, Tim? So, do you have? um, back 
before I was of legal drinking age, which is 21 here in the United States, I used to, uh, if right, I used to run a bar and uh, I had my first opportunity to drink uh, alcohol in a formal setting in a business uh, from a purveyor who brought me this brand new handmade vodka at that time. And you all may know this, and this is actually my favorite vodka from Austin, Texas. Lovely Tito's. It's a relatively inexpensive bottle of vodka when you compare it to something like um, Grey Goose or a Ciroc or a Belvedere. But they taste pretty pretty similar, right? Uh, I know that there are a lot of vodka connoisseurs out there who try to rate vodkas from 1 to 10. Now, I rate Tito's at a zero, okay, because I don't look at vodka like I do at scotch or beer. Uh, when you look at scotch and you said, hey, Andy, if you had to give that art bag a, a score from zero to 10, what would you give it? Oh, a solid eight. Okay. See, vodka, I think it needs to go the, the other way, right? <laughs> well, so okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Let, let me let you do your tasting profile first. Tastes like nothing. Tastes like fuck. <laughs> Tastes like rubbing alcohol. So, so, oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. Before you get into that, yeah. I think vodka needs to be rated from zero to 10 on the scale of how bad it tastes. Because the more close to Russia you get, the harsher the vodka becomes, right? Because mm-hmm. once you get to a certain point of distilling the vodka very well, it just kind of tastes like vodka but then when you start drinking the stuff that you can't read the letters on the bottle it gets worse and your hangover gets worse but you usually don't remember either so uh, from a scale of zero to ten i'd give tito's a zero which is a score for it tastes like vodka and um What were you? What were you gonna so, ask me, Andy? V- Vodka is super interesting to me. So, um, uh, you guys are no strangers to the fact that I love alcohol. Um, so alcohol, all alcohol has like this depth to it. Like beer, you can you can have your stouts, you can have your hoppiness, you can you be smooth, creamy, it could be a nitro. You know, you, you can you can run the gamut through Europe and get different flavors. You can end up with a sour, or you you can you can end up with um. Uh, like a double filtered German kind of thing going on. And then with wines, you know, you can deal with the old countries, new countries, you can get like that smooth soil in old country Europe or that new soil in California. And like, you have that depth with vodka. It always comes down to like two things that people like, they either like vodka because they can't taste it or they like vodka because it just tastes like crap. It's harsh. It's everywhere. And it's just in your face. And when you ask them, what does it taste like? They're like, Oh, it's just good vodka. And it's just so- tater juice, dude. <laughs> just tater juice gone bad. Right. And I've the- never understood like the depth of vodka. So I've never gotten into it. So when people say, what kind of vodka do you re- recommend? I say, well, there's two that I hear is the best. So if you like vodka for vodka, you get Svetka. But if you like vodka for vodka, you get Grey Goose. So I, I just kind of... <laughs> well, you know, Grey Goose and Belvedere are on my top list of vodkas. Um, and so is Tito's. And Tito's is significantly less expensive than Grey Goose and uh, Belvedere. But I drink vodka like sake. 
uh, trashy socket, right? So I can sit here and shoot it and not really think about what I'm drinking because it's got this meh profile, right? It doesn't have a smokiness to it. It doesn't have oak or some type of cast flavor to it. It really is just that, you know, when you when you cut yourself and you got to use rubbing alcohol, it just feels like you're drinking it while you're cleaning yourself up. And that, that's what I dig about vodka. And Tito's is just the right price point for that. Um, but yeah, I, I know there are other vodkas out there that are pretty good. There's an Icelandic vodka uh, that I saw a couple of years ago and drank a lot of. But I can really sit here and drink vodka as if I was drinking soju. It's, it's, my, it's my Russian soju. Or in this case, Tito's is Austin, Texas, which by the way, <laughs> If y'all have never been to Austin, Texas, it's awesome. I want to go there for the food. Yeah. One side of town, you can enjoy, you know, young hipsters having a great time in their own strip, drinking the best mixed drinks and cocktails ever. You go to the other side of town, you're going to get shipped on 6th Street. But it's <laughs> the live music capital of the world. Matt, what we got going on today, man? Oh, so for this episode, we're thinking about talking about the technology and kids and, you know, before I had Riley, my daughter, um, I was very heavily against any type of screen time, any phone, uh, any screen time with phones, TVs. I was just going to have them play, have her play with Montessori type toys, and that'll be it. And as <laughs> when we first had her, I just realized instantly, almost like this is not going to work out, <laughs> and. I feel like there were certain times where I felt like I, me and Joyce both just need a break and nothing else is working. We need her to be occupied with something. So we're not constantly watching her. And so we finally broke down and just let her watch some TV. And were I you, think, were so, you picky about the TV she watched when you broke yes, down? Yes, I was. Yes, okay. I was. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. There was one point where Martin was watching a, uh, rick and morty with riley <laughs> which was very young <laughs> and i was just like and i just walk into the room and i see like blood and guts everywhere i'm just like martin do you think this is the best <laughs> show for her to watch right now at seven months old <laughs> he's like oh she's she's too young to remember it's okay but uh i feel like uh i was very picky uh actually i've been we've been hooked on coca melon as a family i don't know if you ever watched it or not it's yeah it's actually very educational i feel like and she i feel like she actually learned a lot she like knows all the dances to the songs she's starting to say the words from the songs and Mm -hmm. like um just copying some of the the positive messages from them i feel like so i feel like my my view on it has definitely changed on a anecdotal personal perspective i think it's uh, helped us out a lot I think I think your opinion on screen time is based specifically on her age right now, right? Because that changes as our children grow, uh, which is kind of cool because, you know, in the last episode, Andy was digging into digital privacy. And this week you're digging into screen time for our kids. And, you know, one of the things that I have a problem with, uh, or at least I have to deal with is, okay, well, I give my kids screen time. They have their own phones. They have their own computers. You know, um, we'll, and we'll talk about this later, Matt, but it's is that it, when Riley gets older, how much privacy do we give them? 
what about their the kids' own digital privacy when it comes to us as the parents as being the Overwatch? Um, you know, something I right. want you to think about because I know Riley and uh, Alex are young right now, but so right. so so okay. Uh, what else? What other kind of screen time do you give Riley? Um, we are, Joyce's mom also helps us out a lot when it comes to Riley, especially with feeding. And you know, Joyce is working during the daytime, and I'm working partly during the daytime, but mostly at night. So it's been a lot. She spent she spends a lot of time with Joyce's mom. And, you know, Joyce's mom is, is older and we tried to give her some leeway. So she gives her the iPad a lot. And I, which at first I was kind of pretty against, but at the same time, I can't really say much because she's helping us out a lot. And now it's gotten to the point though, where even though I feel like some of the videos she watches is educational, uh, when like whenever she eats, she always has to have a TV or an iPad in front of her, especially an iPad, which I have a lot of mixed feelings about. <laughs> and now, yeah, she cannot eat without an iPad can, or can you, sometimes can you a screen in front of her. Can you define those mixed feelings? Like, I, I understand the debate with screen time, um, but I don't think there's a lot of attention given to why it's a negative. I feel like I'm worried about it becoming a long time habit. And I, I've always been a type wherever I see parents with their kids at restaurants and instead of spending time with their family, the kids are glued to the screens and I never wanted to be that type of family. But luckily so far, you know, like whenever Riley goes out, she's, she's great. We don't give her any phones or screen time and she's in the moment with us. Um, but, but I'm worried it, about it. it just, is it just a habit? Is it just a habit that you're worried about forming? Because I mean, if it's just a habit, isn't what you're doing counterintuitive? Because we are in a society where screen time is part of our lives. And we, we all have jobs right now that if we're not putting in six to 10 hours of screen time, we're not doing work. So <laughs> like it is, if it's just about being a habit, is it really a bad thing? Like, I think a lot of the negative that comes from screen time is about stunting the developmental process. Right. Um, because of that. I'm, I'm worried about stunting her, like her attention span. Mm -hmm. And cause right now when she watches videos on her, on the iPad, she'll watch it for 10 to 30 seconds. And then, okay. I have to stop and change, change. So, oh, okay. Change. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How, how do you discern from somebody, from a child having a short attention span versus a child who understands the difference between low and high quality content? Uh, <laughs> that's actually a real question, okay? Because uh, my kids grew up when schools were just starting to integrate technology into the curriculum. And as young parents and parents to young children over a decade ago, <laughs> you know, uh, we were we were in this decision as to whether we allowed them screen time or we tried to keep control of it. And, it, you know, of all the years that my kids have gone through and spent time on the computer, the television, playing games or uh, reading an ebook or whatever it is, the things that they're they're really interest, 
interested in, they're super hyper focused on that. And they, they're really good at it. You know, my, my son and I today, I, and not to digress too much, we went out today and we spent the day together. And one of the things that we did was we went into a cafe, bought a little snack and we sat there on our phones and we coded together, you know? Oh, really? uh, and, and my son who is 16 years old is sitting here and helping me through a process that I've had many, many years experience over heat, uh, over him. So, yeah. So how do you discern between them thinking that, that you thinking that it's them having a short attention span versus them choosing between what's good and what's bad quality content? I think with Riley, I, one, one of the things I try to take into consideration too, is that she is only 20 months old right now. Yeah. So her attention span is naturally going to be short right now, but even with shows that she likes to watch or that I know she likes to watch, she would, she'll be like, oh, smiles, I'm laughing. And then she'll, I know it's good quality content, but then she'll still want to change it. And so I don't know. So I don't know if it's necessarily good content and bad Well, it's content. good quality for you as a parent, but I'm talking about for the child, right? And yeah, sure. Uh, kids is young. They have a shorter attention span. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember it at that age. Um <laughs> But what about you, Andy? I want to I want to define this topic because I think that this goes to like to me what the core is. I, I did I did a lot of research on this too because Steph and I had a lot of debate on what screen time actually means and why it's being hindered because a lot of the guidance we get from pediatricians from the APA and that's the American um, Pediatric Association, um, a lot of their guidance is not with a lot of explanation. So they'll cite to you studies and the studies will go into it and they'll all talk about the negatives of the developmental aspects of it. But the studies are like 2010, 96, like dot-com boom kind of thing, not really studying what the developmental concepts are in a day where we're talking about where COVID exists and a lot of students are opting into learning from home. Um, and and I guess what were you and Matt we're touching on was where do we draw the line from barring screen time because it's stopping that developmental process, but providing enough screen time that allows them or enables them to better prepare for the future. And at what point do you do that? So there's tons of different models. I think, I think you'd find most pediatrics and pedia, um, uh, pediatricians tell you to wait as long as possible. I, I think most pediatricians will tell you that like, you know, at some point you're just going to have to do it. And I think what they'll say is it's not because you give in, it's because it's a necessity of life. Um, the APA model is like the most ambiguous thing I've ever seen in my life. They, they have it and I have it up on my screen. They have it, um, but under the age of 18 months, no screen time between 18 to 24 months, only high quality programming. They don't put a time limit on it. They just say only high pro quality programming and you should watch with your children. Um, and that's important because they say from, from the ages of two to five, you should limit screen time. And this is the first time we have a time component between one hour a day or for only one hour per day. And it has to be high quality program, but it doesn't say anything about watching with your child. And then from six and up, I'm not sure what you do between five and six, but six and up, <laughs> you establish consistent limits on the time spent using media and types of media. I, I don't like these terms that they're using almost seems like they threw their hands up in the air and says, we need a position. So let's just put one down. 
they, right. they're not giving a ton of um uh they're not giving a ton of information and, and i think what's important is as parents we are in the best situation to know what our kids going to need five to ten years down the line it doesn't feel like we are because god knows we don't know what we're going to be doing five to ten years down the line but the point is you know if you're in a community where you feel they're going to have to have that tech available to them in five to ten years and you're depriving of that that means by the time they get to that point they're gonna have to learn that now with programming that you get on tv and watching shows like coco melon um, I'm not sure what high quality programming is and how much a child can learn from watching TV. Um, interaction like Sesame Street apparently is supposed to be really high quality programming, but there's like no interaction with that really. And then you have Blue's Clues where they're actually telling you, hey, you know, do you see the clue? They have some kind of interaction kind of thing that there's a message, there's a point to it, there's interaction. Um, so that's that's nice. I, for my son, um, I'm trying to walk that line. So with tech in general, there's not a lot of TV. Like there, there's no TV. There's no programs he watched. He doesn't, he doesn't watch TV with us. He doesn't do anything. The only thing he sees on our TV screen is the Pandora. And that's because we just play music. We play a lot of music in the house. And that's mainly because I love music. Um, and it's usually like slow jazz or lo-fi. Um, and then does he, does your, does Alex ever like sing any of the songs? I know you just, you know, you, you, he dances, you play, he, he dances. dances. <laughs> yep. And, and I, I don't play kid songs all that often. Like I rarely ever play kid songs. They're usually pop songs or like instrumentals. Most of the time it's instrumentals when he's in the room. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's it. And with, with other tech stuff, like he uses my tablet for some time to time, I'll let him tap on it. So he can see like the things like I'll put up a, um, I, I have I have a Microsoft Surface and it, it's really like uh, attuned to how much pressure you put on the screen. So I have a art thing on there. So he could press on the screen and draw and how hard he presses is how hard the ink goes on there. So there's an actual like component with him, how much pressure he's putting on there. And there's a tactile kind of sensation he's getting it from it. Right. Um, Do you think there's any value? Do you think there's any value to just giving them unfiltered access to a tablet or a phone and just letting them go to town on it well, wait be before you answer that let me ask you something matt uh, is this episode about kids and uh electronic devices or is this how to raise a serial killer because i'm not <laughs> sure where andy's going with this but yeah, go ahead Andy. Uh, you, the, matt, go ahead and ask that again and sure sure so like um so what, your question hang on it'll come to me what was your question <laughs> Sorry. Do you think there's any value? No more to bring serial killer. <laughs> well, you've already established that he's going to need some uh, psychology books. To oh, read he will. He will. I do too. But you know, him first. <laughs> Get some help there. Uh, do you think there's any value just giving them unfiltered access oh, to yeah. an iPad? So tablet? I, I don't think so. Uh, Let's take tablet out of it. Do you, do I think there's any value in giving him unfiltered access to X? And the answer is no. Like I, everything comes in moderation and he's way too young to figure out what that moderation means just yet. So I, he's always going to need somebody to come in there and moderate for him. Um, the problem that we as parents have to face is how much is enough? 
how much is too much? Like what's not enough? Like you don't want to deprive your kid of something, but you don't want to like drown them in so much of it that they never want to do it again. So like, where do you draw that line? Right. At least with, or, or Fong, um, what did you do with your kids? Like, was there any moderation with, the, with, with um, them growing up? So originally we, we thought that it would be a good idea to moderate them. And from time to time we did. Right. Uh, but then the school systems, or at least the early ones, started to integrate technology into their curriculum. And the kids, they were requiring the kids to bring uh, their own electronic devices to school. Now, I don't know if I told you this story, man. I know Andy's heard the story before. So once upon a time when Aiden was in um, elementary school and he had this uh, Android tablet and we were going through his search history. Because, you know, at that time, we're like, well, he doesn't need any privacy um, at this age. And we go through a search history and there's boob, woman PP, uh, boobies. It's a biology uh, class. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, he went through the entire thing and then we, we had to sit down with him and he was in fourth grade and he was shaking and he was so afraid. Oh. And then, you know, my, my daughter, she went through her own things with uh, doing things online that were stupid. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I realize that the kids have become really good at doing is filtering through content of what is valuable to them. You know, we teach them a lot of things that we think is valuable, like the APA saying things that are high quality content, right? We don't really know what high quality content is and perhaps kids who are, uh, a little bit less biased is a little better about, picking what they want to spend their time on you know you had said riley would go through all these other things all these different videos but you said that you're putting on good quality content for her but then she switches well who's it good for is it good for you or is it good for her right i mean at her age 20 months i'm not really sure if they know or not but uh, i i do know this is that with the apa's um publication and recommendation on uh, what you should do with kids and screen time and everybody else is there. I think they're just kind of throwing your hands up because of the information age that we're going through right now that we just don't know how kids are going to react to this. And we probably won't see the consequences of it until 10 to 20 years from now. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, I, I, I like Andy's approach about, a very disciplined approach of how you deal with technology. Um, but at the same time, I think that there are things that we deal with socially that we are too sensitive about that technology can help us desensitize unfiltered as a kid. Now, again, you know, technology could be the, the next rising of men and women, or it really could destroy us. If you looked in the Facebook comment section lately, it's, it's a garbage dump fire, right? It's horrible. So uh, for my kids though, um, they have learned so much on, uh, they've just been so self-enriched by their nearly uncensored access to digital information that at their age today, they know so much more and are capable of so much more than I was at their age. And, and I think that that's like, that's the cool part. So we are in a generation that's unique in that um, when we were growing up, and this might not be true for you, Tim, it might not exist. You might have a bulletin board system. But when Matt and I were growing up, 
we had Yahoo Chat and AIM and um, we, we had Yahoo Chat Rooms, which I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. But for anybody who doesn't know because, you know, they're young, um, these Yahoo Chat Rooms, Yahoo is a website. It's still around, yahoo.com. Um, the, they were just, just chat rooms. You could log into it. You could talk. It was super anonymous. Uh, you can go through it. Uh, and you could have private messages with people. And it was just a random smattering of everybody. Our biggest concern back then was getting viruses through instant messaging apps or instant messaging systems and getting ad bombed, um, which ad bombs today would be super interesting, but getting ad bombed. And, you know, if you were savvy enough, like some of us, I'm not going to point fingers, but if you were savvy enough, you could download your own bot so that you could do those ad bombs so you can send the virus packages. Um, and you could do that through there, which is super illegal for anybody listening. Don't do it now. Back then it wasn't as easy to track. Um, but today it's super easy to track. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, like we have that in our past. We know what unfettered access to a Yahoo chat group is. And we know the kinds of things that we experienced. And at the end of the day, our parents entrusted us with that. Um, but looking back, I don't know if I want to entrust my son with that. Like, I know what I was exposed to. And God, that yeah. was some nasty stuff. <laughs> like, exactly. Even but, though I sold thing, though, I right? my real age when they were like ASL. But like, it, was ta- it was taboo for us, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, now that that information is so readily available, you know, back when we were kids, we were looking at porn through static TV, right? And uh, I don't know if y'all were doing it. I was. <laughs> and every now and then you can yeah. see a nipple. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, there, there it goes. Uh, oh. Yeah, right. But, but here's my, the thing. My parents I, I just paid for you, HBO, so uh, no, it wasn't static for me. So, so check your messenger. I just sent you a picture in messenger. Yeah. And this is something that I just commissioned my daughter to do for me. Right. She, she painted, drew this. She this painted is amazing. On, she painted wow. it on glass. That's so good. That's on glass. Okay. So as you remember, uh, Andy, our first episode, I was, we were talking about how Aiden just got his first job. Right. Yeah. And the job that he's working at also hire kids, my daughter's age, but we had this talking with my daughter in Phoenix and we, we said, Hey, you know, you're, you're young right now. We really want you to spend time having friends and, you know, really building on your life rather than worry about work. So instead she turns around and she do things like this and find ways to sell things like this online. And between that time of our first episode and today, she's made more money than her brother. Like significantly more money than her <laughs> really? brother using, you know, skills and ideas that she learns from online and using the online uh, internet platform to sell her, her. I mean, talent. let's be honest. She's made more money than we have doing this. Probably. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, Anything more than zero. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the approaches is the approaches that us as parents, we can take take it very differently but you know my kids are any you know this my kids get my shitty hand-me-downs right mm-hmm. so they they have they're not super, crappy though yeah, like they, your uh, hand-me-downs are pretty good they, they all have really <laughs> super computers that you know young to middle-aged adults dream of building yep. for for their dream build and they have access to these machines and i've desensitized them from almost everything that we consider valuable in society today. And I, and you guys may be familiar with my year this year. And, you know, as much as my kids spend time on 
in front of the screen. You know, we went, we went skiing on the snow slopes this year. We went all throughout the United States through the deserts, to the beach, through the swamps and the mountains. And, you know, we, uh, we just got back from scalloping and we went fly fishing. We, we do so much and I still expose them to so much of the natural world that a lot of kids don't have that access to because it's not that they're getting so much screen time. I think that us as parents are getting too much screen time and we're not thinking about integrating them into the real life, uh, our real world of what really exists out there because we, we want them, you know, while we're traveling to butt fuck nowhere, Utah, we're still looking for one gigabyte wireless connection in butt fuck <laughs> Utah RV park. Right. And we found it because wow, that's yeah, impressive. Wow, nice. because when it's downtime, you know, we want them to connect, right. We want them to make sure they can talk to their friends. They can go. What they did was they, they were literally taking videos and pictures of everything that we were seeing and sending it to their friends so that their friends live vicariously through them. And, uh, it, but it's amazing, right? Because if you think about it, I traveled so many miles this year, but then when I look back at it, I'm like, man, a lot of this stuff I saw online and it didn't, you know, it, it, it kind of made that connection uh, of, okay, well, you know, I've traveled to the United States and a lot of the things that are around the world, I can experience in a very similar fashion that I do on online versus, you know, actually doing it in real life. It's kind of weird until you start doing it yourself. Right. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm also really old as hell compared to the two of you guys. Yep. Yep. Always. Always. Forever. Shit. So what about you, Matt? So, so Riley now, right? She's 20 months old. So where, where's your other concern? Because you're talking about TV time. What about the future? Where, where are your concerns there? Because we don't know where we're going to be 10 years from now. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I, I'm worried about her, you know, if we're a family, uh, I'm worried if like family or friends come over and they want to spend quality time with her and she rejects them in favor of the iPad or a tab or a tablet. And I'm worried that she's, she's not connected to the real world. Like your kids are. That's what, cause I seen, I seen other families uh, where I've gone to their house in Singapore and I go to their house and like, Oh, hello, how are you doing? And they just like, there's no focus or awareness of that. We exist at the house. And anytime that the, the parents try to take them away from the tablet, they have a tantrum, they get angry, they don't, and then the parents are like, okay, 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 that's fine. Just keep playing on the tablet, be happy. So, so uh, I feel like you're, you're creating a, like, you're almost wanting both sides. You, you, want, you want your cake and you want to eat it too. I like, I heard you say that you want her to be connected to the world, but you want her to be aware of where she is and the people around her um so then how do you strike that balance like if because you asked me if i would be okay with unfettered access if you give unfettered access to a kid under the age of like eight i'm pulling that number out of my butt <laughs> but if you if you give a kid under the age of eight like unfettered access to whatever they want I mean, are you really going to blame them if they're just on their tablet the entire day? And if you decide to take the tablet away, aren't they just going to want it more? It's like, right. how do you, how do you start good habits early to draw that line? And that's what I'm, I'm still trying to figure out for myself. At least, you know, 
when people tr- do try to talk to her, for example, when her grandfather uh, leaves the house to go to work, I always make a point to like turn off the TV and I say, hey, go, ba- go say bye-bye to Akong. Say bye-bye. And she, and she will know like, oh, okay, it's time. The TV is off. I'm like, and she'll run to Akong and say bye-bye, bye. You know, so I, at least right now, like when I turn off the TV, she's okay with it. And, or what I tell her is like, okay, no more. She's fine with it. And I try to do it within context of like family spending time with her, or if I feel it's been too long on the, on the iPad. So, so in I essence, think, I've been trying to, I think your approach is right. I just think you might be, and, and I say that I'm not a doctor um, <laughs> or a psychologist for that matter. I, I just, I, I agree with your approach. I don't agree with your wording. I definitely think the right way to do it is to say, hey, people first and knowledge, you know, comes with that. So if, if people are first, then the, the, the conversation shouldn't be, I need you off your tablet because people are here. It's people are here. Technology can wait. Um, so it's not, we're taking this away because X exists. It's, this goes, um, X exists and thus like this has to wait. So we take the importance off of technology and put the importance back on the person. So I, I, I like, I agree with your approach and it's an approach that I, I think I'm going to be doing as well. It's just, I think wording matters because when you're that young, the world is black and white. And if the world is black and white and you say you can't have ice cream because you didn't have your dinner, they're going to think, okay, if I have my dinner, then I have to be able to have ice cream. I have to be able to have my dessert right. when it should be, you know, once you have your dinner, we can talk about dessert. And I, I think by adding the, by adding the, um, you can't have something until something happens, you create this black and white dichotomy. Right. Um, but yeah, but that's you know, I, all that is to say, I agree with you. Why don't we do this? Because the only screen time that, your kids are having now is pretty much watching shows, right? Let's fast forward 16 years from now. Alex is a teenager. Riley is a teenager. Autonomous access to their computers and the internet and whatever we have at that time. How do you handle that situation, Andy? I buy more scotch, Tim. <laughs> well, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so I am going to, I, I'm, I'm with you at the, at the, at the point that they get probably to their preteen years or he gets to his preteen years. I hope I'm still confident enough to trust him to make the right decision. Like I, I should have raised a kid at that point. I hope I've raised a kid to, at that point that knows enough to know what's right, what's wrong and what to ask dad about. Um, and I want to be able to say, go forth, prosper. You run into a problem. You call me at least for the next seven years, because after that you're on your own. I don't care. Um, but that's what, that's what the goal is. That's what the hope is. Um, I'm saying that with all this like hesitation because you have a teenager. So I kind of feel like you're about to say, that's not how it works, Andy, you're in for a treat. So that's, <laughs> I, I say that with a hesitation because that, that's, that's the hope. Like I, I give them, I give them the freedom in hopes that they do the right thing. And when they don't do the right thing, I will revoke that freedom for a period of time until they understand why. 
I had to. Do right. That. I mean, um, we're getting close to our, our time limit, but I know this could be a, another topic for a whole other episode. But one of my worries when she is that age is social media and the obligations of um, being socially acceptable. Not socially acceptable. I forgot what the. Um, now, what is socially acceptable for a 16-year-old interacting with her friends on social media? Because I hear that, like, for example, you were talking about on, even on Garmin with your friends, where there's an obligation to like all of your posts and every activity that you do. And I know it's kind of similar with teenage girls from what I hear. You know, like, they always have to post selfies of themselves. And if you don't like their posts within a few hours, that means you're not friends anymore. And that's, that's one of my worries as she gets older. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to tackle that without like taking her away from the social world. Again, maybe, maybe a topic for the future, but like having, having that conversation and having that ability to speak with your kid and have them understand you're more than what people want to attest to. Like you, you have to define your value for yourself and who you are. I think it's a whole different topic. Um, but I agree with you. I think that the rabbit hole becomes way worse than when we had it when we were in high school um, and worrying about what people uh, would say, like what people think, where we were, who our family was. Um, Matt, you know, I, I always had that problem in high school. Like I was always worried about how people knew who my family was and what they expected from me. Um, but in the, the day, I didn't let that value who I was. Like I know who I was. I, I know who I am. Um, I knew who I was then, and it it became clearer to me that, you know, that is how I want my kids to, like, be able to um, operate in the world. They, they need to be able to assign value to themselves, not expect other people to assign value to them. And when you're measuring your likability based off of a uh, number of likes, then that's that's the wrong system. And what it's been like with your, with your kids when it comes to like social media? Well, so, you know, I'll disagree with Andy. I, I'd like my dopamine shots when, from those likes. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, uh, what Matt was talking about was uh, we were talking about Strava either this morning or yesterday morning. Um, I have two friends on that app that are always liking my activity and I'm not really sure they realize what I'm doing in those activities, but they like them anyways. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I got to go at least like one of their activities, right? <laughs> Back in return. So I go do the same thing. I'm like, Oh, I don't know what it is, but I like it anyways. Um, my kids now, um, they don't post on social media at all. Uh, they don't even care to use social media in the form that many kids are, because quite frankly, I do it for the entire family. Um, I enjoy the use of so social media because it gives me reminders of how much I and my family have grown as people. Uh, and that's something that some social media platforms are really good at doing, right? It's, I have so many pictures. We take so many pictures because we have cell phones these days. And back when we had 35 millimeters and disposable cameras, we would put the pictures that were special to us inside albums and go back and reminisce about our memories. But because we have access to take as many pictures as we want today, we don't actually go back and look at them we don't organize them we don't know where they are it's just it's really hard and we rarely print them out 
But with social media, I understand that some people on social media will post a lifestyle that they want to present to others. You know, my social media and you guys know my family. We're we're pretty close to what we portray on social media. And we we do it because what we post on social media, we actually do it for ourselves. Because five years later, we can look back at a timeline to see where we were at that time and what we were doing. I was actually talking to Aiden about a certain experience that we had back some years ago. And he said, when was that? And I said, I don't know. We, we can look back at the pictures on, social, on you know the social media platform to see when that happened. And that's what's special for us because we do a lot of things together as a family and we use that platform for ourselves and not only that but we keep close friends on our social media platform and you know if if they care for it then they care for it if not no big deal but it's kind of our thing you know just like how we start this podcast it's just we haven't had it's been years since we've had the opportunity to hang out with each other on a regular basis when we almost did it on a daily basis for a couple years several years there right and then we went for almost a decade without hardly talking to each other or seeing each other and now you know this is kind of giving us that moment to to share with ourselves we'll post it on youtube and you know if somebody's actually interested in what we do then then be great but as far as my kids and and screen time, you know they they actually do a really good job at managing uh, screen time and and being part of real life and mindfulness, right? Being there in the present time, and it had you nothing said, to do with me. Do you feel like that's something that you actively try no, to foster? And then I think it was passive. definitely passive. Yeah. Okay. And have they felt? Have they faced any pressure from like their friends? for trying to like to be more socially active on social media? Um, no, uh, because my kids have been desensitized uh, when it comes to technology. Uh, they, they get all of my scraps in technology. So they have always had access to the latest and the greatest of technology, especially when it came to their friends, right? It wasn't a comparison thing with their friends so that their friends could keep up with my kids. It was just, you know, I was constantly upgrading my machines because that's, I was in the business and I needed better machines on a consistent basis. So my kids always had access to technology and the best technology where they just, they don't care. Everything that they see kids doing these days, they kind of see it as primitive. So let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about it from the flip side too. So we're all fortunate enough that we can um, we can either afford those things to desensitize them to uh, the the technology that they have, or we all live in very metropolitan areas where we can go to a park mm-hmm. that's next door. We we can we can show them distractions where technology may not be able to provide them the same kind of dopamine. Um, that you can get from a park or a Smithsonian or um, any other kind of museum. Back where Matt and I are from, there was technology or drugs or join the military. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm trying to think how, like, Matt, how would, you, how would you have done it? Like, if we were still back in our hometown, how, how do you do that when they hit 12? Before you get into this, Matt, man, those pores, man, you just you just shouldn't be worried about them. Go ahead, Matt. Pores. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Um, Hinesville, I'll be worried. Very really, 
I'll be really worried about them in Hinesville or back when we're at home, hometown area. Because um, like Andy said, there wasn't, there wasn't much to do there. And maybe that was a good thing for us in the sense that like, at least when we were young, we had access to technology, but it wasn't as fully developed as it is now. And we didn't have smartphones and everything like that. So we were forced to just like roam neighborhoods and just uh, hang yeah, out. We drove in people. our cars and we drove circles around the middles and the elementary school, <laughs> if I remember right. <laughs> like it was, it like- was a depressing time. I spent a lot of time in where they like that, uh, that wreck area where they just sold a bunch of drugs. Gas like, was cheap. Gas was a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Oh, much cheaper think than it is here in DC. I think if I were still living in that kind of lifestyle, I think I would be much more focused on who they hang out with and and try to help filter their friends a bit and what, what kind of activities they do. But it's difficult to do, especially as I get older. <laughs> so that's I imagine like I, I we we went from talking about filtering tech and like talking about how to deal with tech and then you went to well in order to handle that i would talk about the friends that they hang out with like what's the connection there like why, why did you jump from their exposure to tech to the friends they were with like why is there a connection there if, if, if i'm trying if i'm trying if, if i'm trying to because like ten said that he he's been privileged to be able to take them out and expose them to the real world and to desensitize their kids when it comes to technology. If I don't have that access, if I don't have that privilege, you know, I, in order to get them to balance out and I guess in a way is to get them out in the real world is to hang out with people that are close by. I mean, I feel like that would be the only way for them to expose them to the, to, I don't know how to say well, it, but... let's put some, let's put brakes on this real quick because okay. we, we all went to college together and right. y- you know I, I wasn't financially privileged at that time when we were going through college mm-hmm. and right after we got done with college you, you guys remember my home in Alpharetta and you guys been out there with us man it, when when we weren't going around the United States in our RV we were still taking our camp, our tent out you, you weren't out one day that we went right. out to uh, that place south of Atlanta it was so fucking windy we couldn't even put the fire to a fire together. So yeah, I mean, even when my kids were small, my wife was really good and thrifty about getting them not just clothing but toys and electronics at extremely great prices. And my kids had access to video games and television and tablets and all these other things ever since they were young and we were not quite as financially fortunate. And we weren't really finan- we weren't financially right. fortunate at all. Right. Because we spent it all on scotch. So you know <laughs> but but no, you're right. you know they they had access to so many different things when they were little because and when I say I desensitized them to technology, it's not just technology, right? It's it's everything else. We don't even exchange gifts at Christmas or on birthdays. We don't because my kids know they they know that if they want something of high cost that is a major value to them, they have to put a proposal together for me and their mom, and they have to pitch it to us any time <laughs> of the year. And if it makes sense, they can get it. It doesn't matter if that product is that item or service is 50 bucks or 5,000 bucks, right? It's, we don't wait till Christmas 
because we don't want to give them that expectation that they have to wait for these social cues to get some type of satisfaction in life. It's okay. If you're searching for something, go find it. You know, my son said to me the other day, he said, dad, I'm so glad that when I was little, every time I asked you to do something, you said, go fucking figure it out yourself. (laughs) And And he said, I became the best developer in my school and one of the best kids who are lined up to it's crazy how my kid was making a three in one of his classes last year to now being top of his class in physics and wanting to go to a tech at uh, georgia tech so nice uh, but in any it's a event, great school i've been sucking your episode matt i'm gonna stop talking uh but yeah that's that's uh, that's the thing is, is that i don't think that families are less fortunate are precluded from uh mm-hmm. it, integrating technology into their kid's life with the real world because the real world includes technology. And, and I right. think my, my point is uh, what you were making. And it's that if you're in a rural area and you don't have the finances to like go to, you know, four hour drive somewhere, I mean, I'm sure you can go out camping. And if you can't go camping there, there's other things you can do. You can even go camping in your backyard it's about exposing them to something, an experience, like an actual experience they haven't done before. And the important thing is not to create this dichotomy that when they go there, it's tech off. It, it shouldn't be tech off. Like we don't live in a society where tech off is always an option. Um, it should be, well, doing this and we're supplementing technology. It's like, Tell me when, as we're doing the road trip, like, tell me something about this place. Like, look up, blah, blah, blah. Where do you want to eat dinner? Can you look up this place over there? Tell me about the reviews. I'm sucking up some more time. Okay. Because this goes in line with what you're saying, Andy, is is that it's not about switching one on and the other off. Okay. It's about, it's about integration. If you're laying on the ground at a campfire on a campsite and you look up and there's a bunch of stars as an opportunity to pull up sky maps. Yeah. And show the kids how to navigate the stars yeah. and look at the constellation and teach them about the different uh, different galaxies and the different planets that you see and when and why they come up and when they show and why that sky map's always changing. Man, technology is not something that you turn on and off. It and is don't exchange it, supplement it. Right. Right. hundred percent. I agree with you completely. No, that was that was the best example i feel like like yeah. go in your backyard look up at the star if you're stars if, if you're in a metropolitan you might see like two but if you're in a rural area man you have that opportunity that a lot of people a lot of people don't have you go right. in your backyard you open up your phone you put on sky maps it's a free app from google you look up in your stars and you say that's the constellation that's the big dipper that's the small dipper you see that line coming off the big dipper it always points to the north star it's amazing give them that experience allow them to have that fun have them look up why constellations are named a certain way have them figure out why taurus is there and while why taurus is also a um is it a, a chinese i think it's chinese uh a Chinese symbol for the for the year or whatever. Ox. Taurus is a bull. Oh yeah. Okay. Chinese yeah. Have ox. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, like there there's Stupid there's queens. history for it. I don't I don't know much about <laughs> astronomy. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Um, astrology. Astrology. Whatever. They're the same thing. Um, 
<laughs> but the idea is to, is to supplement their world with something that's right. beyond their screen. And you can do that by having them use that screen to see the world around them. It sounds um, like you're also saying that it's important that to actually experience technology together and to explore what technology can kind of like, I, I think for me, I, I get what you're getting at, but for me, the bigger, the bigger thing I want to teach my kid is that it's okay not to have a freaking answer. I hate the fact that the society that we live in is always like, Oh, you don't know X. You must be stupid. It's I'd rather the people who surround me know where to find answers than have the answer up front. I don't care if you know the answer, but if you know that you can find the answer in the next 20 minutes, boom, you're my guy and you're the guy that I'm always going to go to because you know where the resource is. And I want my kid to be able to know that, hey, you know, if you're looking for X, Y, Z, I don't know yet, but I know how to find out. Give me two minutes. I have my phone. That's perfect. That, that to me is a good use of technology. Yeah, so I, I think at the end of the day, at least um, from what I from what I gather, is that um, sorry, I just had a mind fart. <laughs> that, it, it, those oh, beers, man. That that, that <laughs> Bud Platinum tasted sour. Getting to man. By the that way, I, I th- <laughs> before you see that, you, you see I'm like, look at that label, man. Maybe Tito's might see this and say, "Oh, hey, look, ten stringy Tito's." And no, 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 forget Tito's. <laughs> I mean, look at this art bag. It's gorgeous. The entire <laughs> bottle is just like begging for you to drink it. Not sponsored yet, but soon. Like, look at this. <laughs> so, so, so the inner day, well, what do you got? I think that it's, it's important to decide what's, what every child I feel like is different and that you know your child best and that you need to, you will, as you experience life with your kid, you will figure out, you know, what's the best way of how to moderate technology with their kids and interact with them. And that, you know, you know, experts know a lot, but not, not, not with every situation they will know. I'm sorry, with it, they will not know what to do with X exactly with every information. Oh my God. You might not know how to answer for everything. That's what I was going to say. And they might know exactly what your child is like and their catch-all answer uh, or study might not exactly um, be directly related to your kid and you would know what's best for your kid. Sorry. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think what you're, what you're getting at, Matt, is as parents, we have this impossible situation where we have to predict a future that we can't predict. And technology is one of those things that we, we have to figure out what's that line of too much, not enough, or um, uh, what, what's going to harm the developmental capacity. So we, we're, we're often um, you know, told to do this impossible task. And the, the idea is you're not, you're, you shouldn't expect yourself to do a perfect job. You should expect yourself to do a decent job. Like just try to get there, be attentive, watch what your kids are saying, listen to them listen to what the media is saying about like technology and kids and you find a way in between. They're going to want more. Pediatricians are going to want less. As a parent, you just go with it. So 
I mean, uh, is at the, at the end of the day, is that kind of where you're getting at, Matt? I was trying to sum up, but what do you think? No, no, I think you summed up exactly what I was trying to say in the midst of my my brain fart there. That was a brain fart. <laughs> that was like a brain fart. <laughs> that was a seizure. <laughs> brain, brain diarrhea. <laughs> so, Ten, what do you have next for us? <laughs> next week. Uh, well, you know, so I think it. I think next week is going to be a good one because. You know, you're talking about kids and screen time, and I've been talking about taking my kids across the United States over the past summer. Uh, we live in Georgia, and we went all the way to the southwest in the deserts of Utah and Arizona. And I'm going to talk about Kanab, Utah next week, which is BF Nowhere in Utah, where we got the one gigabyte connection, which is faster than what I have here in Metro Atlanta. Right. Uh, and my kids did struggle from time to time when we were at locations that we didn't have connection and they had to sit there and they couldn't figure out what to do with themselves. Um, but the great thing about Kanab, Utah, is uh, you know, it's in the Grand Circle. Within a two hour drive, you can get to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. You have at least three or four slot canyons near you, like the Antelope Canyons are so famous. Uh, you have Zion National Park. You have Bryce Canyon, you have Pink Pearl Sand Dunes, you have the Horseshoe Bend. And there's so many crazy things that you can visit in this one little small town that their motto is, uh, was it, the, the greatest earth on show, right? It's, it's a pretty amazing spot that if you can get out to Kanab, Utah and spend some time out there in the fall, it makes for the best and most inexpensive vacation, especially if you live close to there. Even if you don't live close to there, you can still make a drive out there in two or three days and really have a great time. Uh, you know, the National Park Services, I think they sell their annual passes for 70 bucks, and I'll get more into that next week. But uh, we'll also talk a little bit about kids and digital uh, screen time as well, because that'd be relevant. Okay, sounds good. All see right. you guys next yeah. week. All right. Yeah, see you guys.